The pieces from that hip and that, that pelvis, my right one, flew up and cut open everything on the inside. My stomach is somebody else's, my bladder is somebody else's, my right ureter, it's artificial. Every rib in me was shattered, my, my lungs were ripped up, and my head injury was, uh, was by far the worst injury that I sustained. I just remember crying all the time. I'm Tyler Presnell, and this is my story. And I just want to, I'm warning you right now, I have a traumatic brain injury, and I'm going to take you a million different directions, okay? And I'm going to forget what I'm talking about, and just help me out, all right? Yeah. We are along for the ride. <laughs> oh, my God. We all love right. this. Um, well, I'm 26 years old, and in 1999, I was in a horrible car crash. And I say car crash because it could have been prevented. Um, the driver was 16 years old. He came to pick up me, my twin brother, my little sister, and a friend of mine. Our families were very, very, very close. We moved together. We, we did holidays together. We did everything together. Um, he was two years older than my twin brother and I. We were 14, and he was 16 at the time of the crash. He came to pick us up that day. We all jumped in the car. There wasn't a seatbelt where I was sitting. I jumped in the I was the last one in the car. I jumped in. There wasn't a seatbelt. And I got in and thinking, uh, what the heck, we, they live not even a mile away. This will be easy. So I got in, and in between our two homes is this, is this hill called the Roller Coaster Hills. It's over next to Columbia River High School, Columbia River High School. Um, and he, he tried to... He, but he, uh, yeah, he went down a road and he just sped up and down it numerous times. The very last one, when he started getting crazy, my little sister screamed stop. She was only 12 at the time. It was too late, he lost control, um, which happens all the time. Teenagers, adults, old people, it doesn't matter. It, you can lose control of a vehicle so quickly but he, uh, yeah, he lost control, uh, started doing some 360s and slammed into a telephone pole, doing 75 miles an hour. And I took the entire brunt of it. It was, I was sitting right where the telephone pole hit. Um, that, these moments that I'm telling you right now, these moments are gone to me. And the only reason I know them is because I have dug at my twin brother and my little sister for years and years and years just trying to find out every little detail of this thing that changed my life. You know, over the years I collected all of these details from them. Um, this is gone for me. My life before this is gone for me. I have, I have no recollection of my uh, 14 years here on earth, uh, my first 14 years. So when you were retelling the story mm -hmm. of how he came to pick you up that mm -hmm. day, your retelling is actually from the facts that other people my have given My twin brother and my little sister, yeah. I don't remember that stuff. And I only know that my tw little sister screamed stop because she told me that she did. The parts after the crash, I know because my twin brother was somewhat aware of what was going on. My little sister, um, you know, she was in the back seat screaming. Uh, she had ruptured her spleen and broken... Uh, I know, I know that it was a, it was a small bone um, up here in her shoulder area. My twin brother told me this stuff. Um, so my twin brother, he got out of the car, and uh, he looked around. You know, he was trying to see some things. He said he saw me gasping for air in the back seat, and 
he said it sounded like a choking breathing noise and my twin brother nothing happened to him he was able to get out um, he passed out due to adrenaline you know if you can look at these this photo right here you can see the telephone pole slid right behind his seat the telephone pole slammed right into me so uh, I we had to go through our teenage years and, and maybe early even early 20s um, I I would see him and know that he was in the same car as me and nothing happened to him every day and he would see me knowing that he was in the same car as me in the same crash and yet I'm suffering daily I'm forgetting my life I'm crying I'm going through friends like there's no tomorrow and I'm still alone so he we ended up not liking each other for a little while uh, we love each other deeply but we didn't want to be around each other because we actually you know we didn't like each other uh, my left ankle was shattered my right leg it was paralyzed from just below the kneecap down can't move it can't feel it it'll be like that for the rest of my life you know that feeling like your foot's asleep that stinging nasty tingling feel your hand where you just you're constantly moving it just to get it on to sleep or just to get it woken up on to sleep Sometimes I can make up the craziest words, and I love it. Um, but that's how my leg is, from just below the kneecap down, all day, every day, never goes away. Both my femurs were broken. So both femurs broken. My right hip, my right pelvis shattered on impact. Those are both uh, metal. The pieces from that hip and that, that pelvis, my right one, flew up and cut open everything on the inside. Um, my stomach is somebody else's. My bladder is somebody else's. My, my right ureter was, uh, it's artificial. My right kidney was was removed. Um, my, inten my intestines were ripped up. Uh, an artery, a massive artery in my stomach, was just severed right in half. Uh, there's a, there's more. Every rib in me was shattered. My my lungs were ripped up, and then uh, my head injury. So I went from the bottom to the top. Any one of those physical injuries that I just told you would change someone's life. And my head injury was, uh, was by far the worst injury that I sustained, even though all of those were incredibly bad. But my head injury, it didn't let my body heal the way it should have. It, it, um, it's, it's a wreck. I mean, head injuries are so crazy. They, it, and one of the worst things about my brain injury is you can't see it, you can't see it. You can explain it to someone, but people don't know what it's like unless they have a loved one with brain injury or they have one themselves. Some things with my brain injury, I've, I've, uh, my balance is off. I wobble when I walk. I, I can't stand in one spot for a long time. My emotion, I'm on an emotional roller coaster 24 seven. I have mastered being able to ride through it. I have, I, have, I, have I have told myself and forced myself to know that there's two ways to do this. I could go down this way, which my left, well, I'll say my left side, which is hell. It's painful, it's tears, it's confusion. Or I can go down my right side and uh, everything is just, you know, happy and, and go lucky, which is very hard to feel all the time. But I, uh, you know, I've mastered, I've mastered just walking right down the middle. Um, 
And you're saying this figuratively when you say go down the left or the right. Yeah. Those are just options that yeah. your brain can exactly. choose. Exactly. Yeah. I guess because I, I have felt it to the fullest, I have been able to understand it and master it. Um, I've, I've been to the darkest side and I've been to some of the, my highest points. And so I've been able to, uh, in my short life, I've been able to master um, how it is. And I don't, not even making sense to you. I've no, told you, I told you. You're able yeah. to master the difficulties that yeah. have come through these mm -hmm. uh, intangible scars mm -hmm. through your brain injury, yeah. it sounds like. It's nuts. It's a maze. It's a maze. Uh, so, emotional How? roller coaster. Uh, um, can I go into a couple yeah, more things? Yeah, please okay. do. An emotional roller coaster, a lack of wording, um, is a huge problem. And everyone says that. Everyone says, oh, I've got that problem too. You know, I, I, I know you do, and I feel you, but they, they don't have a short-term memory problem compared to mine. Just because my right leg is paralyzed from the, from the kneecap down, it would be like me going up to someone who's a quadriplegic and saying, I know what, I know what that feels like. I may, I may feel it a little bit, but I have no idea what it's like to be in their shoes. That is on a whole different level, and that's how my lack of wording is. A lot of my brain injury is like that. When I'm telling a story, when I'm, when I'm explaining how things are, when I'm, when I'm speaking, words don't come out the way they should, and I'm often tongue-tied, I'm often quiet, I'm, I'm waiting for, I, I've mastered leading other people on around me and getting my, getting my stories finished by the people around me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think I've said enough about my brain injury. Um, you could literally, you can look it up online, look up symptoms of a traumatic brain injury. You'll see two pages full of things, and I and I have most of those. Uh, my right leg isn't paralyzed from a nerve from a nerve being broken in half. It's paralyzed from a spot in my head that I hit. My um, the nerve, a lot of the nerve damage to my body isn't done because parts of my body were broken. It was done because parts of my brain were affected. I see. Um, yeah, it's... How long were you in the hospital after this? A long time. A long time. Uh, I know it was over four months because we had, uh, we had done, we used to do these things in the hospital. Um, we would all get together and have these like celebrations and, and whatnot. All of my, me and my brain injured buddies. At that, at that point in my life in the hospital, I was a baby. I rode around in a wheelchair, in a diaper. Um, I couldn't push the wheelchair myself because I wasn't, wasn't strong enough. I couldn't move my legs. Um, I cried when my mother wasn't right next to me. Uh, Do you remember these things? Yeah. This part you yeah. remember? My first memory is as a grown, as a 14-year-old as a baby. Uh, can you tell me about the day that you were released from the hospital? We came home and we had a we had a great time. We uh, we had a party. There was a lot of people there, but I uh, I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't like being away from my uh, my hospital friends. Does that make sense to you? I didn't like how I was in a world where there was everyone was normal. I, I didn't look to my left and see someone in you know, crutches. I didn't look to my right and see a brain injured person, you know, getting their diaper changed. I, I was around a bunch of people that were walking and talking and saying, I'm so happy to see you and this and that. And really, I didn't, I didn't want that. I didn't like it. I felt really out of place. And, you know, I, 
I'm not going to lie, I felt I loved being home because I wanted to be around my family. I wanted to be around the people that came to visit me. But um, it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't feel normal. It didn't feel, it didn't, yeah, I didn't like it. And that, um, that way of thinking, it bled into high school. It bled into friendships. It bled into everything. I, I never felt in place, ever. I, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't walk into a room and feel like, man, I, I feel this, I'm, I'm here. I would walk in places and, and just instantly feel like, I shouldn't be here, this isn't my spot, uh, this isn't, I don't feel comfortable. And, th- and like that, that's how I, that's how I felt for a lot of years and I couldn't get over feeling that. I couldn't get over, I couldn't, I couldn't fight that feeling. Um, it took a long time to um, fight that. I just developed uh, confidence in myself and it's because I embraced every single injury to its fullest and I fell in love with it. Before we get to that, can you tell me how those feelings of being out of place, mm-hmm. not yeah. really having roots to go down to what you would consider home because you mm-hmm. didn't remember home, mm-hmm. tell me how those led you on a path. It was a difficult path. Yeah, it was a very, very, very difficult path. Uh, I. Uh, I I just remember crying all the time and going to school and this is what this is what happens and this is a fact and this happens to a lot of injured people it happens every day all day long what I, what I'm about to say right now Watch a person in a wheelchair for a bit in a busy area. Watch how many people say what's up. People don't do that. People don't stop and talk to someone that is noticeably different. Noticeably different. What's not noticeable is the same as mm-hmm. everybody else. Yeah. It's what's in their heart and head. They're just like everybody else. Yeah. It's just their physical appearance is different. Inside their minds, they want people. No one likes to be alone. Just because they're brain injured doesn't mean that they like it. Or can't, don't have the capability of connecting with others. Yeah, and yet we, we don't even say what's up to them because they look so different. That's how it was for me. When I was placed in with all of the, uh, I'll say, uh, normal people, I'm talking about the everyday life, I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel comfortable at all, and everybody wanted to say what's up. They wanted to say, hi, how, you know, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so happy that you're home. This and that, that goes on. And this is, and this is what I was, it took me a long time to say this. <laughs> but this is, where, this is where I'm saying that um, it happens every day, all day long. That's what made me feel so good is all those people saying hello and how are you? I'm so happy to see you. And it, it kind of made up for not being around my friends. Well, when that stopped, and nobody would say what's up to me because I looked different. I rode around in a wheelchair. I was 15 years old getting my diaper changed by my mother. I cried when nobody would say what's up to me because they didn't know how to. They thought I was so different, even though I wasn't. All I, if somebody would have just said hi, I would have talked to them. Yeah, I maybe sounded different. And my sentences probably didn't come out very well, but I would have said something. Um, but because nobody said, because no, nobody talked to me, um, I didn't have that balance anymore, and I went down that that negative, horrible path. Um, Was there depression in that? Very, 
Every day I fight depression. I've been on every single kind of antidepressant you could think of. Uh, sometimes I would, I would go into the high school to go to a class to go to a speech therapy or um, occupational therapy or whatever at, at Scubby High School. They used to have that there. And I would go in for a class and I would see the driver and he wouldn't even talk to me. And that, uh, that hurt me really bad. And I would wheel out of those classes and I would wheel through the halls and see everyone that I knew, all the people that I knew and hung out with, nobody would talk to me. And I would go wheel out into the front of the school and I would sit there by myself in my wheelchair and wait for my mom to get there. And it was horrible. And then I would come home to a home where my twin brother, someone that was in the same crash as me, I would see him and he would have friends and he would be hanging out with people and nobody would call me and I hated it. And then my sister, uh, I love my sister, she's, she's amazing, but at ta that time in my life, even my sister, I didn't want to see them, I didn't want to talk to them. I was suicidal. That was a very rough time in my life. What kind of got me out of that was seeing how much it hurt my family, that I was that, I was that uh, sad and that depressed and that scared to even be alive. I was, uh, I hated life so much that it, I was afraid to face it, and I didn't want to deal with it. And I would, my mother would cry; she would cry so much, and I would tell her that I did that I didn't care. And then later on in the day, it would it would catch up to me, and it would hurt me that I said that to my mother. And eventually, eventually, I had to quit thinking like that. I couldn't see my family cry because of something that I would say or something that I would do. Does that? Does that make sense to you? It makes a whole lot of sense. Okay. I'm actually surprised that mm. that was the motivation that was enough. When my mother would cry, man, that's what does it for me. Now that I'm older, she cries during everything. If I would have known that then, <laughs> it wouldn't have been that, believe me. Yeah, but at that time in my life, I couldn't, you know, I was just like that little baby. I, it hurt me to see me, it hurt to see me, uh, I had hurt myself to know that I hurt other people. You know, and that was, that was still at an early age in my recovery. That was, still at a, that was a still in my teenage years. It didn't happen like, like overnight. Like now, sometimes we'll have uh, conversations and they'll, they'll tell me of, uh, of problems that they're having and I'll, and I'll sit there and listen to them and they'll always say, it's nothing like you've been through, Tyler. But, and I'll say, hey, listen, that's got nothing to do with it. Everyone's problem is their own problem. It doesn't matter. You feel it. You don't feel mine. They know it now. They all, they all saw me at my, we my weakest point, uh, my darkest moments, and they just, they are blown away. Bigger than anything that I've ever done, knowing that my family is proud of me, um, that's huge for me. Tyler, how many surgeries did you say you had gone through? 22. In how many years? It'll be 12 years here in a little while, but growing up, I would, I would pray that these surgeries would stop. I would just, I would pray for it. Like, just please, just stop these surgeries, stop cutting me open. That hurts to get cut open and to have large scars on your body healing. But I would just pray for those things to stop and, and this and that, and then I turned 25 and that was my golden year. I didn't have any surgeries that year. Um, I did a lot of great things. 25 was the year that I, uh, 
I told myself that I, I could do this, um, that I could make something out of uh, what I've been through. We, uh, we, have these, uh, we have this power, and it's untapped right now. Um, that, that power uh, is what we hear, and it's those people's lives. Anyone, and it could be a story about anything. It could be a story about a, a mother who lost all of her children, or it could be a story about um, someone who, who rose up and fought adversity and now owns a business or whatever. If we spoke to each other, we, we would hear those, those stories, those people's lives, and that's the power. That's the power right there. That's what's untapped is, is that power from those words. And those words are those people. We don't listen to them because we don't ask right now. We would rather put our headphones in and play our iPod and listen to our songs. I think we're forgetting that we have ears, to be honest. I think, I think we forgot that we have ears. You know, technology doesn't give us, it doesn't soak into our hearts. It doesn't, it's not our soul. It's not what should drive us in life. But right now, we are so fast-paced that we're missing out on, on people and life and love and we're picking technology over it. We're walking right past that person in the wheelchair with our headphones in and listening to our favorite song. We're walking right past that person that could really use a hello because, you know, we are texting each other while we're walking. It's uh, technology has totally covered up the realness of life. It's I not real. That. It's not, it, it's there, it's fun, it's great, but it's not real. It doesn't touch you. Yep. It doesn't shake your hand. So, um, I, I love that you're passionate about this, and it's exciting. You're finding ways to share this passion with mm -hmm. others. I mean, that's that's it to a T. And and we we need we. I'm not saying we need to because that's you know people hate to be told that. But I really honestly feel like if we just opened our ears up to what's happening, just right around us we it's all around us everywhere in every county in every neighborhood in every city in every state everywhere around us there are these people that are fighting daily who can smile who can smile through their fight and give it give you that smile and it's right there and we don't need to go we don't need to go buy a book because that self-help is right there and it's right there in person and those words you can hear and you, you can talk to them daily and it's that person in that wheelchair that it's, is doing life. That is doing life. It's that person walking with that, with that brain injury. They, and they probably don't even know it yet, but they are that they are they are that strength to us. But yet we will we will literally walk by and communicate with our friend and tell him how rough our life is when we walk right past that person. Right past that living. Right textbook. past that living textbook, and we just stopped and said, "Hey, how's it going?" And felt their vibe. What we just complained about to our friend would turn into something else. It, it would be, man, let's, let's do this. Let's, okay, this is how we'll get through this together. We'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, it's right there. It's, uh, I mean, I preach that in every single speech I give. Yeah, tell me about what you're doing now because of what you've experienced. What I'm doing now is, uh, is something I've always wanted to do. Um, when, I was in, when I was in ICU, uh, they would wheel me, and I would have these tubes hooked up to my body, and I didn't remember, remember this part. But they would wheel me into these classes where these, these bad drivers, uh, the ones that, you know, they're often full of people that don't care. 
and I know that now because I still give speeches there all the time. But um, they would wheel me into this place, and they would say, this is what can happen to you if you were ever to be in a car crash, and they would wheel me out. And they, my mother would sit there and tell them, you know, I'm, I'm my, that was my son and this and that. Well, over, the, over time, I became that person that could, that could wheel myself in there, and I could say, look at me, you know, look at my life. And I would cry on stage because it was really my first time really explaining what had happened to me. And um, I remember I hated it because I hated knowing that I was in a car accident. I hated my brain injury. I hated every physical injury I ever had. But I would go and, and share that to these people and share my hate with them. And, and, then I, and then I quit because I just I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't go and talk about something that I hated so much. Eventually, uh, I found myself at 23 years old going through intense operations on internal organs and arteries on the inside of me that were falling apart. Um, and I needed, I needed money. I needed a life. I, I couldn't work. So I went back to speaking, you know, for a few bucks a month. And when I went back and spoke, I, I was mad. I knew that I was talking to a group of people that didn't even care that I was speaking with them. They didn't care about any, any of the injured people. They were going to get out on the road and do the exact same things that they were going to do when they first got in there. And that's, I'd be angry with them. And this woman came out and she said, thank you, Tyler. She ended up saying, you changed my life. And, and all of these pieces started forming together. And eventually, I, I told myself, this is what I meant to do. I'm not going to do anything else. I will die before I stop doing this. There was no way I couldn't do this. I, feel, I personally feel, and this is, this is how I feel, if you don't help other people, you're wasting your life. We are meant to be here to better what's around us. And there's so many people out there right now that are thinking, me, 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 me. And that's just, man. We, uh, what do you say to people in these classes to help them? I, I tell them how precious our lives are. And uh, I tell them how painful things are. And I let them know that, you know, some of you out there are going to feel this at some point in time. Um, it, it's, it's really about respect. If we just slowed down and respected people a little more, I'll go into some words. Respect is a big word. Compassion. Patience. Patience is probably the biggest thing in life. If someone can learn to have patience, they can teach the world. You've been listening to Tell Me Your Story, a program that presents real-life experiences of those in our community. Tell Me Your Story seeks to enrich others with factual, positive, and compelling stories. If you're a resident of Southwest Washington and would like to tell me your story, please contact me at tellmeyourstory@coov.com. With the hope of connecting people through stories, I'm Nalene Frunk with Tell Me Your Story. USD Media